This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. Welcome to Dissect, long-form musical analysis broken into short, digestible episodes. I'm your host, Cole Kushner. Today, we continue our serialized examination of my beautiful, dark, twisted fantasy by Kanye West. We're currently in the midst of the album's second act, which you'll remember is titled Dark. On our last episode, we heard Monster as Kanye's best attempt at wearing the villain's clothes given to him by the public post-VMAs. However, the song's outro signals an exhausted resignation of this villain role, as Kanye heads home from the imaginary show that's centered in the song's hook. Monster's resignation transitions directly into a track that is in many ways a continuation of Monster. Like Monster, it's also set at a concert, with a narrator asking us to see our hands. But where Monster is a phantasmagoric display of antagonism, the track that follows is a dreary, smoke-filled hangover, a meditation on the absurdity of success. We're talking about Twisted Fantasy's seventh track, the second track of Act 2, and the subject of today's episode, So Appalled. One hand in the air, if you don't really care Two hands in the air, if you don't really care It's like that sometimes, I mean ridiculous It's like that sometimes, it's shit ridiculous One hand in the air, if you don't really care So Appalled is produced by Kanye West, No ID, and Mike Dean With guest appearances by Swiss Beats, Jay-Z, Pusha T, Sci High the Prince, and the RZA The track in many ways exemplifies Kanye's collective approach to making Twisted Fantasy Indeed, Kanye appears on the beginning of So Appalled to recite his verse and hook, but by the 1 minute 40 mark, he exits for good, leaving the song's remaining 5 minutes to his guests. Because So Appalled characterizes Kanye's art-by-committee approach to Twisted Fantasy, before diving into the track, I want to take this opportunity to detail the album's work environment and creative process. As you know, Kanye fled the country after the backlash of the VMAs in 2009. After stops in Japan and Rome, 
Kanye finally settled in Hawaii, rented a home, and indefinitely blockbook all three rooms at the AVEX recording studio in Oahu. Kanye kept engineers at the boards 24 hours a day. On the main studio's wall were a handful of Kanye commandments, his version of studio rules, which included things like no tweeting, no pictures, no hipster hats, and just shut the fuck up sometimes. Kanye invited a slew of artists and producers to Hawaii to contribute to the album, including Raekwon, RZA, Pusha T, Rick Ross, Charlie Wilson, Big Sean, Sci High the Prince, Swiss Beats, Dwele, Nicki Minaj, T.I., Drake, Common, Jay-Z, John Legend, Fergie, Rihanna, The Dream, Ryan Leslie, Elton John, M.I.A., Justin Vernon, Seal, Beyonce, Kid Cudi, Most Def, Santa Gold, Alicia Keys, Ellie Jackson, Tony Williams, Q-Tip, RZA, DJ Premier, S1, Madlib, and Pete Rock. Kanye reportedly spent over $3 million in expenses from his record label Def Jam recording the album, making it one of the most expensive albums ever made. According to Complex Magazine's Noah Callahan Bever, who had the opportunity to briefly stay with Kanye in Hawaii, said there was a daily routine established during the Twisted Fantasy sessions. Beginning around 10 a.m., breakfast took place at Kanye's rented mansion, prepared by his personal chefs. Mind you, while Kanye's guests slept at the house, Kanye himself rarely did. Instead, he took 90-minute power naps throughout the night in the studio and would continue working in between these naps. During breakfast, music was the only topic of conversation, and mostly it revolved around Kanye's album. In his complex article, Callahan Bever said, quote, It's never explicitly discussed, but everyone here knows that good music is the key to Kanye's redemption. With the right songs and the right album, he can overcome any and all controversy, and we are here to contribute, challenge, and inspire, unquote. After breakfast, most of the guys headed to the YMCA to play basketball against locals before heading into the studio for the day. This communal routine impressed the RZA of the Wu-Tang Clan, who found inspiration in his Hawaiian experience. I'm going to tell you something this young man does, y'all. They get up every morning to eat breakfast together, his whole crew. They talk about yesterday and the next day and the day of, and the present. They plan. On over breakfast, they sit there and they talk about what they're going to do, what they did, and how to make the, the music better. Then they go exercise together. Okay? Go to the YMCA, they play basketball, lift weights, focus, get the energy out, get the chi up. And then they hit the studio around 4 o'clock. First he, well, first he'll do some charity work. You know what I mean? Like invite all these kids and do some charity shit. So therefore he's doing a good deed of the day as well. Good karma. And then... He goes to the studio and he stays there from four. And when I was there, we left at four. So 12 hours of in the studio work, then go to bed, get up and do it again the next day. The, the way everything happened, though, was like focus energy, yo. And actually, I never seen that from a rapper before. I come from Wu-Tang Clan. You know, y'all know us, five of us, five of us show for the concert, other three late. Some ain't doing it, some is sleeping. You know what I mean? And it's, it's not only his talent that took him to the top. I got to say, it's his focus, y'all. In the studio, Connie established a communal approach to song crafting. He'd often fixate on a verse or a line from a verse and ask everyone in the room their opinion. He'd have multiple producers and artists working simultaneously in different rooms, and he moved between rooms giving feedback. Rapper Pusha T said of the Twisted Fantasy Sessions, quote, the guy's the maestro. It's a totally unorthodox way. Well, it's unorthodox to me, 
because I've never seen anyone work in pieces like that. We could easily be working on one song, thinking we're in a mode, and he'll hear a sound from someone like Jeff Basker and immediately turn his whole attention to that sound and go through his mental Rolodex to where that sound belongs on his album, and then goes straight to that song immediately, unquote. Q-Tip of A Tribe Called Quest said of his experience, quote, I never worked the way Kanye was working in Hawaii. Everybody's opinions mattered and counted. And there's consequence and push a T, and everybody is sitting in there, and he's playing music and everyone is weighing in. It was like music by committee. It was fresh that everyone cared like that. If the delivery guy comes in the studio and Kanye likes him, and they strike up a conversation, he'll go, check this out, tell me what you think, which speaks volumes to who he is and how he sees and views people. Every person has a voice and an idea, so he's sincerely looking to hear what you have to say, good, bad, or whatever. By the end of the sessions, you see how he integrates and transforms everyone's contributions, so the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. He's a real wizard at it. What he does is alchemy, really. Unquote. And so here we can return to So Appalled, a track that features a handful of the collective guest artists that attended rap camp in Hawaii. As we noted, the production was handled by Kanye, No ID, and Mike Dean. The beat is centered around a sample from the 1979 song, You Are, I Am, by the Manfred Mann's Earth Band. That excerpt is then chopped up and a kick and snare pattern is added to sound like this. This hypnotic instrumental provides a perfect landscape for the bleak accounts of fame by the song's slew of featured MCs. Kanye, Swiss Beats, Jay-Z, Pusha T, Sci High the Prince, and the RZA. The amount of features on the song makes it a quote-unquote posse cut. A posse cut is a track that contains verses from four or more rappers. The form was developed in the 1980s as a way for a rapper to show off their crew or posse. As an example, let's use Marley Mars' 1988 track, The Symphony, widely considered a classic posse cut. It features the verse from Master Ace. Listen closely. Your attention's undivided. Many in the past have tried to do what I did. Just the way I came off then, I'm gonna come off stronger and longer. A verse from Craig G. The gym is dedicated to all unoptimistics. That thought I wasn't coming out with some exquisite rhymes. That's all right, cause now I'm back to kill all the rumors and straighten the facts of me. A verse by Cool G Rap. And finally, a verse by Big Daddy Kane. The symphony is a blueprint for posse cuts because it contains no hook. Rather, the MCs go in one after another with little break in between. While some posse cuts have hooks, they're usually brief and not the center of the song. The verses, the bars, the lyricism take center stage. This often creates a kind of competition element within the track, 
with each MC spitting his or her best verse in order to stand out among the pack. We can find posse cuts throughout hip-hop history, including well-known tracks like Wu-Tang Clan's Triumph, A Tribe Called Quest Scenario, ASAP Rocky's One Train, and a slew of others. While often in a posse cut you'll find MCs showboating, using the opportunity to promote themselves and their skill set, in Kanye's version of a posse cut, he uses the opportunity to coax his features into speaking on the same theme, adding a variety of perspectives on a single subject. Like we saw in the album's previous track, Monster, which technically falls under the posse cut category, each MC gave their version of what it means to be a monster. On So Appalled, each MC will more or less expound upon the ridiculousness of the successful life they live. The track opens with producer Swiss Beats performing the song's introduction, the hypnotic timbre of his voice complementing the dreary production and establishing the song's dreamlike setting. One hand in the air, if you don't really care. Two hands in the air, if you don't really care. It's like that sometimes, I mean ridiculous. It's like that sometimes, it's shit ridiculous. One hand in the air, if you don't really care. Middle finger in the air, if you don't really care. It's like that sometimes, man, ridiculous. Life can be sometimes ridiculous. I'm so the track begins by asking us to put one hand in the air, a cliche of hip-hop live shows. Things quickly take a strange turn when he asks us to see two hands in the air, which conjures up a somewhat bizarre, zombie-like image of a crowd with both of their arms extended skyward. There's a certain lifelessness to the action, and a kind of going through the motions. This is accentuated by the next line, it's like that sometimes, I mean ridiculous. It seems to be commentary on the preposterousness of the influence and power granted to a performer on stage. This section then repeats with a few subtle but thematically telling changes. Instead of two hands in the air, he asks us to put our middle fingers in the air, which confirms the somewhat nihilistic overtones of the introduction. Finally, the introduction closes with the line, Life can be sometimes ridiculous. This opening section sets the stage for the verses that follow with each MC outlining the ridiculousness of the life they live. First up to the plate is our protagonist Kanye West, who opens his verse with a somewhat foreboding reference to Donald Trump. Life can be sometimes ridiculous. I'm so appalled, spalled and bald, bald and Donald Trump taking dollars from y'all. Baby, you're fired, your girlfriend hired. But if you don't mind, I'ma keep you on call. We a butter law, we don't give a fuck about y'all. I got dogs that'll chew a fucking hole through the wall. They all lovers, I need more rubbers. And if I don't use rubbers, need more covers. Housekeeping, I mean goddamn one time. Let it be a bad bitch sweeping. That know we get O's like Tibios. That know because they seen us in the videos. That know the day that you play me, it be the same day MTV play videos. That was a little joke. Kanye begins, I'm so appalled, spalding ball. Balding Donald Trump taking dollars from y'all. Its wordplay is centered around Trump's balding head, an artificial golden glow of a tan resembling a spalding basketball. Connie then quotes Trump's you're fired catchphrase from a show The Apprentice, saying, baby you're fired, your girlfriend hired, but if you don't mind, I'ma keep you on call. It's a crude line, followed only by more crudeness, saying, we above the law, we don't give a fuck about y'all, I got dogs that'll chew a fucking hole through the wall. It would seem that Connie's aligning himself with Trump's notorious womanizing and heartlessness. His antagonism only worsens as the verse continues. He's frustrated by the looks of the housekeepers that tend his hotel room, wishing instead for an attractive woman that desires him because he's famous. He's embodying the mindset of the extremely privileged, a Donald Trump, 
so engulfed in narcissism that he views people and things exclusively through the lens of his own pleasure system. As his verse continues, Kanye shows no signs of backing off his brashness. One of the more memorable couplets from Kanye's verses and lines, Praises due to the most high Allah, Praises due to the most fly Prada. It's a very uniquely Kanye West juxtaposition. From day one, Kanye has shown comfort in juxtaposing religious entities with high fashion couture in memorable, often comical ways. Kanye concludes the verse venting his frustration with the lack of integrity he sees in other artists. He says, N-words be writing bullshit like they gotta work. N-words going through real shit, man, they outta work. That's why another goddamn dance track gotta hurt. That's why I'd rather spit something that's gotta perp. Connie seems to be implying that pumping out dance tracks is akin to factory work, what one does simply for a paycheck, while Connie's music has purpose and integrity. The dance tracks he speaks of are likely the chart-topping rap-slash-dance songs made popular in the 2009-2010 era from artists like Pitbull and Flowrider. On Twisted Fantasy, Kanye was consciously avoiding the floor-on-the-floor floor rap mentality, trying to bring hip-hop back to its roots. But Dark Fantasy was all about, it was just like no four on the floor. Because it was, like your favorite rappers was douchebagging out and shit, and it was like, we had to like live in the legacy of like Mob Deep, Wu-Tang, just period, man, fuck everything else. Kanye's claim to authenticity is a somewhat contradictory way to end a verse that largely propagates the exclusivity of his lifestyle. But Connie's performance of the song's brief hook forces us to re-examine those sentiments. Connie begins, Champagne Wishes, 30 White Bitches. This line is the play off the TV show The Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous and the tagline Champagne Wishes and Caviar Dreams. Thank you for joining us. I'm Robin Leach with those Champagne Wishes and Caviar Dreams. We all look forward to joining you on the next edition of Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. Connie's version replaces Caviar Dreams with 30 White Bitches, which is followed by the line I mean this shit is fucking ridiculous. We can interpret the word ridiculous two ways, one meaning absurd or irrational, and the other more modernly informal meaning of ridiculously good. This double meaning can be applied equally to the sentiments of Kanye's verse. On the surface, it would appear to be a defiant assertion and exploitative use of Kanye's elite social status. But just beneath the surface, there is a kind of depressive quality to these claims that is accentuated by the track's somber, somewhat ominous musical material. Kanye uses his life to exemplify the ridiculousness and hollowness of the lifestyle of the rich and famous. There's a kind of desperation and loneliness of a man who, for example, is alone in a hotel room, lusting after a housemaid, looking for intimacy in all the wrong places. Before moving on, I do want to address something strange that you may have noticed about this verse, Kanye's voice. 
I've heard many accounts from people confused by what's going on with Kanye's voice on this track. It's different from the voice we're accustomed to hearing from Kanye, to the point of being unrecognizable to some. With this in mind, let's listen again to another clip of his verse, paying attention to his voice. Life can be sometimes ridiculous. I'm so tall, spawned and bald, bald and Donald Trump taking dollars from y'all. Baby, you're fired, your girlfriend hired. But if you don't mind, I'ma keep you on call. We a but a I'll first tell you I spent way too long investigating this unsolved mystery. My initial hypothesis was that Kanye's voice is pitched slightly lower. My basis hypothesis on a passing comment made by Noah Callahan Bever in the complex article I cited earlier. At breakfast in Hawaii, Bever witnessed producer the RZA telling the group how he alters the frequency of Ghostface Killer's voice to regulate its whininess. A whiny voice would imply nasally and high, so I assume RZA pitched it down slightly to regulate this. And seeing how RZA was present during the recording of So Appalled, and even performs a hook at the end of the track, I thought perhaps he had something to do with altering Kanye's voice. Well, however logical these steps might be, I'm pretty sure this hypothesis is wrong. I endlessly fiddle with the pitch of Kanye's voice on So Appalled, trying to make it sound more Kanye. I couldn't. After some more digging, I came across an early leaked version of So Appalled. It's a rough, unmixed version of the track with just Kanye's verse and an early version of the beat. I'm so appalled, spalled and bald, bald and Donald Trump taking dollars from y'all. Baby, you're fired, your girlfriend hired, but if you don't mind, I'ma keep you on call. We a but a law, we don't give a fuck. This version to me sounds like a demo or reference track, especially because the quality of the vocal recording is rough and scratchy. But after playing the album version of So Appalled and this early version simultaneously, I discovered both versions contain the same performance of the verse. I'm going to play them simultaneously for you now, the leaked version in the left channel and the final version in the right. It's hard to tell there's even two vocal tracks, right? If they were pitched differently or were different takes, you'd hear it right away. As an example, here's the same passage, this time with the early version pitched up just slightly. You can clearly hear the two vocal tracks rubbing against each other, right? And because the two versions line up so perfectly in the first example I played you, it means that the leaked version of Kanye's so appalled verse is the same performance of the verse that ended up on the album. It would seem unlikely that Kanye would alter the pitch of his voice at such an early stage, and it would debunk my RZA Hawaiian influence theory as well. After even more digging, I discovered a quote by producer Plain Pat that may solve the mystery once and for all. It's a quote from a story he told about the creation of Kid Cudi's song, Wildin' Cause I'm Young, a song that began at the studio sessions in Hawaii. Regarding the recording of this track, Plain Pat said, quote, When we recorded it, we didn't use a booth. We just recorded it right in the room on an M57. That's the mic you use live, like an open microphone. 
Cuddy was recording in the booth, but he said it sounded too clean, given that the beat was so unorthodox and fucked up. Cuddy recorded it the same way Kanye did so appalled, unquote. The microphone Plain Pat referred to, the M57, is a $100 microphone made by Shure. It's an extremely common entry-level microphone. According to Pat's quote, Kanye recorded his verse on So Appalled not in an isolated recording booth, but in an open room. These two elements together, a cheap mic and an open room, would produce a rougher, less polished sound. We can hear this most clearly when Kanye's vocals are soloed on the track, which happens during the Ala Prada lines. As we listen, pay close attention to the P sound on the word Prada. You can hear that distortion, right? It would seem more than anything, the cheap microphone and the lack of recording booth is responsible for Kanye's altered voice. And since Plain Pat and Cuddy deliberately used this technique to alter the tone of Cuddy's voice, it would then be logical to conclude that Kanye deliberately used the technique to create that tone as well perhaps wanting to match the murky character of So Appalled's beat. So, cheap microphone, open room, mystery solved, I think. So Appalled continues with verses by Jay-Z, Pusha T, and Sci High the Prince. While we don't have time to dissect every line of every verse, I would like to cherry-pick a few exemplary lines from each and examine how they tie into the song's loose overarching theme of embodying the darker side of success. Jay-Z's verse begins by venting his frustration about the constant slander on his name. Midway through the verse, he recites his most memorable line, quoting the recent Batman film, The Dark Knight. Jay-Z quotes the character Harvey Dent in the Dark Knight film, who transforms into Two-Face after a tragic accident leaves half his face disfigured. You either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Look. Whoever the Batman is, he doesn't want to do this for the rest of his life. How could he? Batman is looking for someone to take up his mantle. Jay uses Two-Face as a metaphor for the public perception of celebrities. It's along the same thematic lines that we discussed in our Power episode about tearing down the same statues we help erect. Harvey Dent was a well-intentioned politician beloved by the public who was turned into a monster. Likewise, we often witness celebrities fall from grace and often revel in their downfall. Jay-Z elaborates and embraces this notion, and went from the favorite to the most hated, but would you rather be underpaid or overrated? He's outlining public hatred as an inherent quality of success, and he's able to somewhat casually brush it off as part of the job, because it's a job that pays very, very well. He'd rather do what's in his own best interest than attempt to keep a favored public perception, as he's all too aware of the fickleness of such a thing. Jay's verse concludes with more elaboration about his wealth mixed with clever wordplay. Jay says, and hammer went broke so you know I'm more focused. I lost 30 mil so I spent another 30. Because unlike Hammer, 30 million can't hurt me. These lines are in reference to MC Hammer, a hip-hop star in the 1990s whose net worth was valued around 30 million according to Forbes magazine. Hammer ultimately mismanaged his fortune and filed for bankruptcy in 2009. Jay's lines don't seem to be a shot, 
Rather, he used Hammer's rags to riches to rags story as a cautionary tale, of course mixed with a fair amount of braggadocio. Hammer himself took offense to the lines and released a Jay-Z diss track titled Better Run Run, in which he claims Jay sold his soul to the devil. Let's go when the lights is hot. Well, rapper gotta back up all the cheap pop. Let's go there. The game is so cold. I can see it in his eye. The boy sold his soul. Devil said, I'm a digital wall. I take it plus give me a girl. Mr. Devil, can you give me a sign? He said, throw the rock up. That's one of mine. Let's go. Jay-Z's verse on So Appalled is followed by a verse by Pusha T. Pusha T was originally supposed to spend just a weekend in Hawaii, but ended up staying a month and left signed to Kanye's label Good Music. Pusha wastes no time addressing So Appalled's theme of the darker side of success. Success is what you make it, take it how it come. A half a million twenties like a billion where I'm from. An arrogant drug dealer, the legend I've become. CNN said I'll be dead by 21. Black Jack, I just pulled an ace as you looking at the king in his face. Everything I dream, motherfuckers, I'm watching it take shape. Watching you, I'm just a young rich nigga that lacks faith. Range road, leather roof. Push begins his verse. Success is what you make it. Take it how it come. A half a million twenties is like a billion where I'm from. He's alluding to his success as crack dealer in the streets of Norfolk, Virginia. A half a million in $20 bills implies that the money came from drug dealing, and accruing that much money no matter how you did it is an achievement in his neighborhood. Push then uses CNN as proxy for the nation at large, who highlight the high probability that someone like him, a black male drug dealer in the projects, would be dead by age 21. But Push flips the script, likening 21 to Blackjack, a game whose goal is to get 21 using a series of cards. Push pulls an ace, whose value is 11 in blackjack, and compares himself to a king, whose card value is 10. Added together, and of course you get 21, blackjack. This clever wordplay represents his against-the-odds story of escaping the projects and fulfilling his dream of success through music. Hence the line, everything I dream, I'm watching it take shape, while to you I'm just a young rich n-word that lacks faith. Even though Push embodies the American dream, and his success is a true rags-to-riches story, He's still perceived as and reduced to a delinquent juvenile with money. Again, it touches on the juxtaposition of success and the negative perception we often bestow on those with success. After Push's verse comes an appearance by good music artist Sci High the Prince, a talented but not extremely well-known rapper who literally snuck his way onto So Appalled. He told wrapup.com, quote, I wasn't supposed to be on So Appalled. People don't know that. I kind of cheated. Kanye said, can you think of something to write on the hook? I peeped he was kind of sleepy at the time, so he went to sleep. I stayed in the studio and I said I'm not just going to do no hook, I'm going to do my verse. I did a verse and I didn't tell him the verse was on there and I hit it. He was playing the album for some very important musicians and he played the song. He didn't know my verse was going to come on and everybody in the room goes bananas. He said, I gotta keep it, unquote. Knowing Sai High's verse wasn't planned or prefaced by Kanye makes sense. Because while Sai High contributes a solid, lyrically crafty verse with memorable lines such as, if God had an iPod, I'd be on his playlist, his verse doesn't really contribute to the song's loose thematic thread insofar as revealing the problematic side of success. For that reason, and no disrespect to Sai High, we're not going to dive into his verse as we did the others. Following Sai High, the RZA performs an aggressive rendition of the song's brief hook, while a repetition of the song's bridge performed by Swiss Beats brings the song to a close. 
Conclusions. While Kanye, Jay, and Push all loosely touch on the ridiculousness of success and the life they live, it's perhaps the musical setting of So Appalled that contributes most to the overall narrative Twisted Fantasy. It's somber, smoke-filled, and bleak, adding to the slow decay we've been experiencing since Kanye's imagined suicide on Power and the bridge into his fantasy world on All the Lights. On Monster, we heard Kanye and friends expressing their inner villain, while So Appalled gives us a glimpse into the absurdity of a villain's lush but problematic lifestyle. Jay-Z said, die and be a hero, but live long enough and see yourself become the villain. It would seem Kanye is doing exactly that, seeing himself become the villain. Once on top of the musical world, post-VMA Kanye was instantly vilified by the general public. On Monster and So Appalled, Kanye is in some ways documenting what it feels like to become a villain. He's grappling with the idea, he's trying it on, and it's not pretty. At the top of the show, we documented Kanye's music by committee approach, how he surrounded himself with a slew of his favorite artists and musicians in Hawaii. We also noted how Kanye rarely, if ever, slept in a bed. Rather, he took short naps in the studio, often working through the night and into morning. And while this certainly displays Kanye's work ethic and dedication to his art, I can't help but think these actions are also indicative of a man in real pain and turmoil. We know the VMAs, combined with the lasting grief over his mother's death, sent Kanye into an emotional crisis of sorts. And typically, what do we do when we're hurt after a breakup or go through a traumatic experience or death? We surround ourselves with people, with friends as much as possible. We certainly don't like being alone. And what's typically the hardest time of day when grieving or when going through a bad breakup? At night, in bed, alone. Our mind wanders, it's tough to sleep, and we get extremely lonely. Connie's unique approach to the creation of Twisted Fantasy was certainly an ambitious attempt to create a redemptive masterpiece unlike we've ever heard. But the approach may have equally been the result of the unconscious actions of a man coping with a considerable amount of stress, anguish, and depression. Indeed, while So Appalled finds Connie surrounded by friends, all expressing the absurdity of their lives, as the album continues, Connie will go searching for something more intimate, something real, something like, well, love. This romantic sunset of a song is the album's next track, Devil in a New Dress, which we'll thoroughly explore next time on Dissect. Dissect is written and produced by me, theme music by Bureaucratic. If you enjoy Dissect, consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, tell a friend about the show, or share a link on your favorite social media outlet. There's no team behind Dissect, it's just me, and I can use all the help I can get growing the show. If you'd like to support Dissect, you can do so at patreon.com dissect. By pledging as little as $1 per month, which works out to be about 25 cents per episode, you can help Dissect become more sustainable and help me offset some of the costs of the show. My dream is to one day make Dissect my full-time job, 
and if just half the listeners of the show pledge $1 a month, I could very easily do that. A big shout out to my Diamond Level supporters, Evan Sweat, Jonathan Hardyway, Salmon Chaudhry, Mike Jala, Robbie Landsberg, Greg Cerveni, Arturo Macias, Raymond Reyes, Danny Park, Grant Jenkins, Judy Kushna, that's my mom, Quentin Samuels, The 3-1 Crew, The Portland Art Ensemble, Secreto Secreto, Zan Aronowitz, Zach Moses, Alexander Pollock, Tim Loisel, Ryan Filippi, David Baito, Dan Evans, Claire Murphy, Aziz Twajiri, and Bryn Masters. Again, you can support Dissect at Patreon, spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Dissect. Follow at Dissect Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, and join our Dissect community group on Facebook by searching Dissect Podcast. You can also email me directly at dissectpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening. Talk to you next week. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.